Well, it's just wonderful to be together uh, today, and um, just before I begin our message, I want to come back to what we prayed about, which was praying for our nation, and um, just on Thursday evening, we, we met as elders, and we decided that uh, there are such big things going on in our nation that we want to create an opportunity. There'll be a, a WhatsApp uh, a notice of this this week, and we'll have a slide next week as well, but we wanted to create a, a context where you could sit with your elders in this church and talk about anything with regard to the nation and the state of our nation. And we could talk about that together in a conversational way and where we can help as elders for us to work out how do we do this? How do we live in this nation in a Christ-centered way? What's a gospel response? And so uh, that's not gonna be this week, it's next week on Thursday evening, but you are invited if you wanna be part of a conversation saying there's things about our past that we need to talk about, there's things in our present that we need to talk about, and how do we do this in a Christ-centered way? Uh, you'll see an invitation to that this week, but I wanna encourage you, maybe if that's someone who's saying, I really want, I'm battling to work out what does it mean to be a Christ follower at this time. We want to meet with you as elders and we want to talk and we believe that won't be the last one. We believe we'll have uh, many to come uh, in, in, uh, in, in, in the months ahead. So I want to just give you a heads up on that and there will be a notice uh, coming soon. Hopefully you've received a little piece of paper. We don't normally uh, hand out uh, like an outline for our sermons, but Today, we're really going to be diving into the deep end of Christianity, and uh, so I wanted you to have something that you could either refer to uh, or go away with and come back to. Uh, as you know, we're preaching uh, through our New City Catechism, and uh, this week is actually our fifth week of the Catechism, and uh, we really are jumping into the center of the Christian faith this week because we're talking from Friday, we've been talking about Jesus our Redeemer, and this is so crucial for us to get that I wanted you to have something in your hands uh, as, uh, as I preach today and as you go home. I just want to say that if you've never given your life to Jesus, um, it's a great day for you to be here in the room because today you're going to hear about Jesus and what the Bible, not just what's my ideas, but what the Bible says about Jesus because the one person, the one question that separates Christianity from every other religion is the person of Jesus and understanding who he is. And the Bible says that if you put your faith in the Jesus of the Bible and you ask him to forgive you of your sins, you will be forgiven. And the biggest miracle that can happen to a human being will happen in your heart instantaneously, and nothing will be the same ever again. And maybe that'll happen even for you. So I just want to pray as we launch in to today's message. Lord Jesus, I thank you that as we sang earlier, you are majestic, you are magnificent. And Lord, I pray, Holy Spirit, that you'd show Jesus to us, every one of us, whether we've believed for 60 years or whether we've not yet put our faith in you. Today, may we see you more clearly, Lord Jesus, and may you be glorified. We ask that in your name. Amen. So who is Jesus, our Redeemer? I want to begin with, uh, with something which I'm going to call the human problem. The human problem. Every single person on the planet has the same problem. 
Have you, no doubt you have because you're a human. You've, you've been in situations where you feel like the problem that you're in or the situation that is developing is bigger than you. And uh, you're feeling like hope is fading and hopelessness is rising. Who's ever been in a situation like that? Just wave your hands. We should all be waving our hands. It could be all sorts of things. Maybe you're a matric and the exams are coming closer or you're an adult and the end of the month is coming closer. It doesn't matter what the situation is. We all know the, the feeling where we're in a situation and it's getting worse and worse and our sense of hope is fading. Let's just use the illustration of someone who's drowning at sea. Imagine you've gone to the beach and you've gone for a swim and at first the swim was nice, it was pleasant, you're feeling the water on your skin and then suddenly you feel like you've been caught in a current, what's called a rip current and it's ripping you out to sea and you're seeing the beach getting smaller and smaller as your sense of anxiety rises. And at first you decide, well, that's fine. Remain calm. I know what to do. I'm just going to swim and I'm going to get out of this. But as you swim, you start to feel tired and the current keeps pulling at you. And eventually what was a sense of hope that, yes, I can swim out of this, is replaced by a fear and a dread that actually I am in real trouble. I am going to die. And so hope fades and a sense of powerlessness rises in your heart. You know, as we've been going through the New City Catechism for the last four weeks, you might have felt like that person. You might have felt like there's been a building pressure. There's been a building pressure every day as we've done a question and an answer and a question and an answer. You might have felt like there was a building pressure because what's been coming clearer and clearer to us is what you could call the human problem. It's like we have all been caught in a rip current that is stronger than we're able to get out of. We are meant to glorify God by loving Him. We've heard that over these weeks. We're meant to trust Him. We're meant to obey His commandments. But if you've really been digging deep, your hope should have been fading. Because as you've been going through the commandments, you realize, I can't even obey the first commandment, which is love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. As you've been going, even this last week, and we've been looking at sin, and we've been looking at Adam and Eve, and looking into the garden, and what happened in the garden, and what happens in our own hearts, maybe you've been feeling, oh, dreadful person that I am. Friends, if we're honest, if we look deep inside of us and we're honest, we are sinful, we're disobedient, we're untrusting, we're unbelieving, and we're even idolatrous. We give our love to other things and other people rather than God. And so the Bible tells us, and we heard this week even, that we deserve the righteous, the just punishment for our sin. We deserve to be separated from God. We are like a people who've been caught in a rip current, and the current is stronger than our ability to swim. Friends, if I were to sum up this week, we're going to the fifth week of our catechism. If I were to sum up four weeks of catechism, this is how I would sum it up. God is holy, and we are not. God is holy, and we are not. And because of that, 
our sin separates us from God, and we can't save ourselves. And so we need a Savior. We heard Gary at Heart to Heart on Friday night. He was like, he was feeling like he was going down and down and down last week as he was going through the catechism. He got to Thursday, and then he got to Friday, and he realized, yes, we have a Savior. His name is Jesus. Friends, if you read your Bible, the whole Old Testament, preached from in that slide, the whole Old Testament, last week Tom preached from Genesis 3, the whole Old Testament shows us we are in serious trouble because God is holy and we are not. Not just the people on the pages of your Bible are not holy, you and I are not holy either. And we've got no hope of changing ourselves, it's this mighty rip current we can't swim out of. We need a Savior. We need a lifeguard. We need someone to come and save us. Now, you might think, well, I mean, why have we been taking so long? And why last week did you take us so deep into sin and two weeks on the, on, on the Ten Commandments? What's, what's it about? What's all this morbid reflection about? Well, to get to that, I want to tell you a story about someone in this church that I won't tell you who they are. And if you know, don't look at them. I was driving in her car the other day. Some of you are working this out because I've shared the story. I was driving in her car, and while I was sitting in the passenger seat, there was this horrific sound that kept on going, wah, 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 wah. And as we drove along, eventually I said, I couldn't ignore it anymore. I said, what is that sound coming from the left wheel? And she said, that's why I've got the radio on. And she turned it up so that we couldn't hear the sound anymore. And the, you know, that's one way of dealing with a mechanical problem. It's not necessarily the best way of dealing with a mechanical problem. Some of you might be thinking, you know, you told me to do this catechism. I've been doing it for four weeks. It feels like... Really, my human problem and my personal problem with sin and God's holiness is it's just getting bigger, and it's like you want to turn the radio up. Can you just preach about something else, please? Can you just stroke me and make me feel happy? Can we change the subject? Can we turn up the radio? But you know what? If you have something wrong with your car, turning up the radio won't help. Hey, mechanics, we've got a few mechanics in the room. Here's one. Rather, pausing to ponder. That's what we've been asking you to do on the, with the catechism. Hey, to think, to use that gray matter, to stop and to think, to diagnose the problem, to ask some questions so that you can understand the problem, that'll help you to find a solution. Amen? Friends, brothers and sisters, the last four weeks, I believe, have been glorious because we've been pausing to reflect and to ponder. If you've invested any time in doing the catechism, in pondering, in prayer, in reading the Bible, in memorizing Scripture, in speaking to brothers and sisters about it, I want to say to you that you have richly invested in your spiritual life. And what you've gained over the last few weeks, you might say, I want to go back a few weeks. No problem. Go for it. 
What you've gained is an understanding of the human problem. God is holy and we are not, so we need a Savior. I want to read for you just from Romans 7. I'll have it up on the, on the screen. I'm not going to preach on this, but I want to just read a passage which sums up this human problem. Just listen to, to the, the wrestle in the heart of this person who hasn't yet put their faith in Jesus in Romans 7. In verse 15 it says, Maybe you can identify with this person at times. For I do not understand my own actions. For I do not do what I want. But I do the very thing that I hate. Verse 18. For I know that nothing good dwells in me. If you've gotten to that point where you've seen that because of the last few weeks, you've gotten to a really healthy place. But I don't have the flesh in my body. For I have the desire to do what is right but I don't have the ability to carry it out. For I do not do the good that I want, but the evil that I do not want is what I keep on doing. You feel like this ever? Verse 24, Oh, wretched man that I am. Here's the question. Who will deliver me? Who will rescue me from this body of death? Who's going to be able to be my savior and my rescuer? Because I can't rescue myself. Verse 25, thanks be to God through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. And that's where we got to on Friday. You need a Savior. You need a Redeemer. His name is Jesus. Friends, if the human problem is that God is holy and we're not, we need a Savior. The solution, His name is Jesus. And I want to spend the rest of our morning preaching about Jesus and who He is. Jesus is God's solution for you and I. He is our Redeemer. Where you see the word Redeemer, you can, you can put Savior, you can put Messiah, you can put Christ. They basically are synonymous. Friday said, who is our Redeemer? Who is our Savior? And the answer was, our only, uh, the only Redeemer is the Lord Jesus Christ. And so this week we're going to consider, and this morning we're going to consider, as we go through the catechism, you're going to be meditating on who Jesus is and what He's done. You're going to consider the the human problem as you come back to this problem of uh, someone drowning and the human problem uh, that we have, that we're sinners and God's holy. You need to think about what type of Savior do I need? And that's what this week is going to be all about. You know, if you were stuck in a rip current and you need someone to save you, you need to think, well, what type of Savior would I need? Now, dogs are pretty amazing, but if you're caught in a rip current, you don't need a dog. And iPhones are pretty amazing, but you don't need an iPhone. And TLBs are very powerful and can move a lot of earth, but it's not going to help you if you're caught in a rip current. And if you're in a rip current, not even a boat can help you if there's nothing on the boat. What you need is a human being. You need someone who can see this person's in trouble. This person is crying out for help. You need someone who can empathize with you as a human being and can, is willing to step in. So you need a human being. But secondly... You need a human being that's different to you because another useless swimmer isn't going to help. You don't just need another human. You need to interview them first and say, sorry, can you swim? Because I'm battling. 
you don't just need a human. You need a human who can swim stronger than the current, stronger than you, so that they can rescue you. Friends, as I think about that, and I think about Jesus, our Redeemer, that's exactly what we need. We needed a human being, but we needed someone who wasn't just a human being. We needed someone who was God as well. Let's look at Jesus. Jesus, in Jesus, God became human. In Jesus, God became human. Now, on all the slides that follow, in these scriptures, the purple words are going to be, it's the color of royalty. And the purple words are going to be words where the, the deity, the, the godness of Jesus is on display. And all the words that are in green are going to be the humanity of Jesus in display. We need a redeemer. We need a, a life God. We need a savior who is God and human. Let's look at some verses. Firstly, John chapter 1 says, in the beginning was the Word, that's Jesus himself, and the Word was with God. Do you see the purple there? And the Word was God. Jesus was God right from the beginning. If you thought Jesus got born and he, he kind of showed up at Mary's place, you got it all wrong because it says, in the beginning, how does your Bible start? In the beginning, God. How does John start? In the beginning, was God, was the Word. And the Word was God. He was in the beginning, and guess what? He made everything. Jesus made everything. He is the Creator. All things were made through Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. Jesus is God. And then verse 14 says, And the Word that was at the beginning and was God and made everything green, the Word became flesh, became human. He moved into the neighborhood and He dwelt amongst us. And we, this is John writing, he said, I saw Him. I saw Him. I saw Him. I lived with Him. I, I ate with Him. I touched Him. I saw Him. God, who was at the beginning, He moved into my life as a person. And I saw His glory. You don't normally talk about that when you're talking about people. That's a, a, a phrase used for God. The glory as of the Son from the Father. God, 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 full of grace and truth. John, right in the first chapter of his gospel, he's so clear that God became human and he entered our humanity but he didn't stop being God because he was amazing he blew he blew our doors off we dropped everything we were doing and we followed him the apostle paul says something similar look at philippians he says this in philippians 2 christ jesus though he was in the form of god although he was god purple he didn't count equality with God, something to be grasped. Some translations even say held on to. But he emptied himself. He gave of himself and he took on the form of a servant. Green, being born in the likeness of men, humanity. He took on our humanity because we needed a savior who was human. And being found in human form, he didn't just do that. He humbled himself. And he became obedient to even the point of death. 
even death on a cross. Because Jesus came to destroy death, he had to become human. He had to die so that he could destroy death. And being found in human form, he came and humbled himself, becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on the cross. Therefore, God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every other name, the beautiful name of Jesus that we sang about today. So that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow. That you, if you've never bowed your knee to Jesus, you either get to choose to bow your knee now to Jesus, or you will one day bow when you realize he really was God. So that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow on heaven and under the earth, and on, on the earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Yahweh. Jesus Christ is Lord. He's God. He's master to the glory of God the Father. So just like the lifeguard, if you're stuck in a rip current, you need a human, but a human who's much better at swimming than you. Well, Jesus, we need a redeemer who is God and human in order to save us. And actually, that's what we've just read in these three passages that we've read. We read that Jesus, the, the Christian church, took them 357 years to get to the point at the Council of Nicaea where they declared God in Jesus was fully God or truly God and truly man. It's the most important truth in the Christian faith. And in the incarnation, God became human in such a way that he didn't stop being God but he was truly God and truly human simultaneously. Friends, Jesus was a historical man. He was a historical man. In fact, the people that he was born amongst and the people that he lived amongst, they were not unaware of his humanity. In fact, in the, in the Gospel of Matthew, there's a moment where Jesus goes back to his own hometown in Matthew 13, and he's doing God things. He's doing miracles, and he's, he's got incredible power, and he can just tell the Galilean Sea to stop, and it stops, and the storm goes away, and he goes to funerals, and funerals become parties because he raises people from the dead. He's clearly not normal, but he's human, and he goes to his own hometown. It says, coming to his own home country, he taught in their synagogue, and they were astonished, and they said, where did this man get his wisdom from? They didn't say, where did this angel come from? They said, where did this man get his wisdom from? Where did he get the power to do these mighty works? Is this not the carpenter's son? We know this guy. Is his mother not called Mary? Are these not his brothers? James and Joseph and Simon and Judas and all his sisters with us? Where then did this man get all this, meaning this power? The people who knew him knew Jesus was God. Something was happening in front of their eyes that they couldn't account for, but they knew he was human. Jesus was a man. That is the testimony of those who lived. So our fourth point is that our Redeemer, Jesus, is a human Redeemer. We needed a person to come. But why did Jesus need to be human? Have you ever thought about that? Why does he need to be human? Well, I'm so glad you asked that, as Rob always says. 
Hebrews chapter 2 tells us, therefore, talking about Jesus, he had to be made like us, his brothers, in every respect. Why? So that he could become a merciful and faithful high priest in service to God, to make propitiation for the sins of the people. For because he himself suffered when he was tempted, he is able to help those who are being tempted. Friends, it's so important that Jesus was human because of this. One, he could empathize with us. He, you know, if Jesus was just God and, and you say, Jesus, this is what's happening in my life, and he would just look at you and say, that's just never happened to me. When you're going through something tough, do you need someone who's never gone through that or do you need someone who's gone through that and can understand? Jesus was tempted. He was tested in every way like we are. They didn't have Eskon. Ask Jesus about that. He was tempted in every way as we are. And yet the Bible says he was without sin. And what that allows is he can enter our humanity and he can understand it. When you pray and cry out to God because someone has died or someone hasn't been healed or you don't have something or you feel weak or you feel tired or you feel stressed, you're praying to the one who, although he's on the throne, he can identify with what you're saying. Hallelujah. Secondly, this passage tells us that he had to become human so that he could become your high priest. Just tell the person next to you, Gareth's not my priest. Now say it like you mean it. Gareth, Rob, Kanisa, not your priests. You have a priest and his name is Jesus. Say it. Jesus. You have a high priest and his name is Jesus. And what does a priest do? It brings you to God. Jesus is the one who made the way that he could bring us to God. But the Bible tells us that he had to become human so that he could become a merciful and a faithful high priest. Hebrews chapter 4, as we're answering this question, why did Jesus have to be a human redeemer? Hebrews chapter 4 is the Son of God. You see divinity there. Let us hold fast to our confession, for we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet he didn't sin. Temptation is not sin. Jesus was tempted in every way, yet without sin. Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace, because we've got this high priest so that we might receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. Why did Jesus have to be human? So that he could be our high priest and so that he could empathize with us. Three, so that he could show us what being human really could look like. You know, when we say, oh, we're just all sinners saved by grace, we, we kind of think that that's what it means to be human. But that's what it means to be sinful humans. Jesus shows us what it's truly possible to be like as a human being without sin. Jesus lived the perfect life for us. Jesus was in right relationship with God. Jesus was obedient. Jesus was a worshiper. Jesus was on God's mission. Jesus loved God and loved people. Jesus shows us how to really be human. Hallelujah. Fourthly, Jesus had to be our human redeemer so that he could die as a human, and demonstrate 
what humanity owed to God. So because of our sin, we owe God our lives because the wages of sin is death. So Jesus put up his hand and said, I'll do it. And he paid for you and me. That's why he's the redeemer. He paid the price to ransom us and redeem us from our sin. Jesus had to be the one who could be human, who could pay that price. And as humans came under the curse, he had to be human to overthrow the curse and to defeat sin, Satan, and death, to redeem what was lost in the Garden of Eden. Fifthly, Jesus, our Redeemer, had to be human so that he could be the perfect substitution, substitutionary sacrifice for us. In the Old Testament, they used to sacrifice uh, doves and pigeons and, and sheep and goats and bulls. And the, the life that was lost was to forgive sin, to atone for that sin. But why did they have to keep doing it? Why did the Day of Atonement come every year? It came again and it came again and it came again. And, and there were more sacrifices and more sacrifices because no animal sacrifice could pay the price for a human sin ultimately. It was actually just a symbol pointing to Jesus who one day would pay the sacrifice once and for all as a human being so that sin could be dealt with forever. And lastly, why did Jesus have to be our human redeemer is so that he could be the mediator between people and God. You know, a mediator is someone who brings two people together who can't talk to each other, right? Two parties together or two people, and then a mediator. This party trusts that person, and this party trusts that person, and then that person helps them to talk. The Bible tells us in 1 Timothy, for there is one God, and there is one mediator between God and men, the man, Jesus Christ. He's a man, green, human, but he's God, and so he can be the mediator that we need between us and God. So Jesus, our Savior, our Redeemer, had to be human. Can you see that? Secondly, he had to be God. He had to be divine. Why did Jesus need to be God? Well, firstly, because he needed to be able to be our redeemer. Remember, you, uh, a person coming and saving you at sea who can't swim better than you is no help to you at all. And so every single person on the planet, Romans 3, uh, 10 and 11 says, everyone has fallen short of the glory of God. Everyone sins. Everyone has that problem. It's the human problem. And so Jesus didn't have to just be human. He had to be God in human form so that he could be sinless, so that he could break the curse of sin, and he could overcome sin, Satan, and death. Hallelujah. Secondly, he had to be God, so that humanity's sin that had been committed against God could be forgiven. You see, if you've committed sin against, if I've committed sin against David, then who needs to forgive me? David. And so because our sin was against God, who had to forgive us? God. And so our Redeemer needs to be God. Thirdly, Jesus had to be God so that he could be the perfect 
sacrifice. Remember, we heard that bulls and goats were not a perfect sacrifice, so they had to be offered again and again and again. Well, praise God, it says in Hebrews 10. And every priest stands at his daily service, offering repeatedly the same sacrifices, these animal sacrifices, which can never take away sins. But when Christ had offered for all time a single, say a single, one, a single sacrifice for sins, his own body, he sat down at the right hand of God, waiting for that time until his enemies should be made a footstool under his feet. For by a single offering, he has perfected for all time those who are being sanctified. Friends, Jesus' sacrifice on the cross was enough for you and me. One sacrifice for the whole of humanity forever. Amazing grace. Amazing grace. Fourthly, Jesus had to be God so that he couldn't just be a high priest. So the high priests were only high priests as long as they lived. But when they died, they had to have another high priest. How long do you want Jesus to be your high priest for? Because if he's just human, he might be a really good high priest, and then he dies. Oh, no. Now we've got to find another high priest. Well, this is what it says in Hebrews about Jesus. If I get excited at this passage, just forgive me, because this is one of my favorite passages. Jesus had to be God as our Redeemer because he could then be a perfect high priest and an eternal high priest never to be replaced. Hebrews 7, 22. This makes Jesus the guarantor of a better covenant. The former priests were many in number. They were prevented by death. They kept on dying. That's what the Bible's saying, okay? They kept on pegging from continuing in office. So they're continuing in office and then they'd fall over, okay? And then they're not in office anymore, okay? That's what the, the, the human high priests were like. But he holds his priesthood permanently. Why? Because he continues forever. Consequently, he is able to save to the uttermost those who draw near to him, near to God through him. It was indeed fitting that we should have a high priest who is holy, who is innocent, who is unstained, who is separated from sinners and exalted above the heavens. He is our great high priest. Isn't he? Wonderful. Friends, what we've been looking at this morning and what we're going to look at in the catechism this week is this. The last few weeks have been realizing, digging deep into God is holy and we're not, so we need a Savior. And this week, we're going to dig into Jesus, our Savior, fully God and fully human in one person. And we're going to know that Jesus, 2 Corinthians tells us, the one who had never sinned, God made him to be sin so that we who had sinned could be forgiven and could become the righteousness of God. Friends, this is the center of the Christian faith. My prayer is that we would, as we meditate on Him, we would worship Him. 
we would delight ourselves in him. And then we would live like Diane led us, as though he lived, that we would do the same. We would live like he lived, and we would give our whole lives to him. You wouldn't just give him a portion. I'm giving you a portion of my life, a portion of my time. But that we would give our whole lives to Jesus. What a redeemer we have. Now, I want to play a song that's going to date me. And if you know the song, it's going to date you too. But I want us to stand and sing a song that you might not know, but the words are going to be on the screen. And it's a song that just magnifies Jesus as our Redeemer. And so I want to encourage you to, you could either just close your eyes and worship to the song as we close, or you could read the words and sing along. But I'm going to pray, and then we're going to close the morning by just delighting in Jesus, our Redeemer. Amen. Let's close our eyes. Lord Jesus, why don't you just tell him in your own words, thank you, Jesus. Thank you that you are the lifesaver that I need. You are God, and yet you're human. Thank you, Jesus. Lord Jesus, we, I pray for us as a congregation that this week, as we go through the questions and answers this week, Lord, I pray, Lord God, that we would be astounded at who you are, that we would be overwhelmed at who you are, and that, Lord, we would fall down in worship to you. Jesus, I pray that we would throw off things that are just familiar, and we would see you in your glory and your beauty. And I pray this morning, if there's anyone who doesn't yet believe in you, that today they would put their faith in you and they would say, Jesus, you are my redeemer. I need a savior. And Lord, they would reach out and you would rescue them today. I ask that in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's worship him. There is a redeemer, Jesus. Jesus, God's own son, precious love.